Navigation ship. Navigation ship. Navigating the trials and tribulations of race, dating, travel, trauma, and healing as young conscious black women. Hey, it's Stephanie. Hey, it's Ashley. And today we will be opening this podcast discussing the latest Oprah interview with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. But first, we're going to check in with one another and see how we're both doing. So how are you doing, Stephanie? How's your week been? Um, well, <laughs> at the moment, I'm doing well. Like, I feel really good. I feel in a good space because I'm doing, I've been keeping to, I've got some goals or steps, like walking a number of steps each day. Um, mm-hmm. And it's something that I can I can control. So <laughs> I feel very good <laughs> that I'm able to keep up with that during lockdown and do something and get outside. But at the beginning of the week, it was a bit, you know, a bit of a tough week, especially with everything that's going on and, and the discussions that's happening between, you know, in regards to Megan, um, Megan and Harry and everything like yeah. that. So it brought up a lot of, you know, current issues that we're dealing with ourselves. So, yeah, I guess I'm I'm good today, which is good. But, you know, it's been a heavy week. And how about you? Yeah, I think uh, same. <laughs> um I think I'm doing okay. Um, You know, they've stopped uh, doing masks here and I've noticed the change in people who didn't like wearing masks before, which is quite sad that we're kind of taking, you know, several steps back during a, you know, a panorama. So it's not, it's not the best, but um, I'm alive. So there's something to be grateful for. Definitely. So, um, Getting into our topic, um, just want to cover briefly what the interview was all about. So Meghan Markle, who everybody knows or should know, has married, uh, you know, Prince Harry in, in the UK. And um, they left uh, the quote unquote firm institution, I think, early last year to go to Canada. And then they ended up in L.A. And this is sort of a year later, the aftermath, uh, of, you know, why they moved over, um, or why they moved to, to LA and left the monarchy as what senior members of the Royal family. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's a very interesting interview in the sense that it gives another side because, uh, the tabloids, the British tabloids have been quite harsh Some may say racist, some may say sexist, or or the intersectionality of both on Meghan Markle. And Mm. um, and this is sort of the other side. The penny has dropped on the other side, so to speak. And today we're discussing how this interview made us feel as we navigate this life as black women. And we bring together our our different viewpoints from different sides of the pond. So, you know, as Ashley is American and I'm British. So it's a very interesting perspective to bring to the discussion as black women ourselves. So yeah, just to, I guess, um, to start it off, we're going to be asking the question of what resonated with you, Ashley, and what resonated with me in terms of the interview and what, what did we take from it? Um, who would like to go first? Um, I mean, I don't know. Um, I can go first. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah, so this was devastating. I mean, the interview was just absolutely devastating. It's not like anybody was blind to the ways of the royal family being racist or, I mean, look at the history of colonialization. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I've never been a fan of the royal family because I don't know, I grew up under the ideals of Americanism and, you know, no man's above anyone else. Obviously there's lies within the whole American system of who, if we even believe that, because we don't, um, in the, in the behavior that we display as Americans with our own racism, our own sexism, xenophobia, blah, blah, blah. Um, but from living in London for the number of years that I lived in London and being very vocal against, you know, the Royal family and then seeing someone who is an African American, she's mixed race, but you know, the one drop rule as an African American, um, you know, being in a system that in a culture, that's not, not yours. Um, I could definitely resonate with that. And she talks about how she had, she was very vocal about um, having a lot of mental health issues due to the Mm. press um, and not being protected by the institution that said that they were going to protect her. Um, Mm. And it's this idea of step up for a lip, you know, keep calm and carry on British culture (laughs) and as an American who is very vocal about our emotions, we're always saying like how we feel, um, you know, it, it's very rattling when you get that sort of, you know, just deal with it. We all have, um, that's not even her being black, but just, you know, a different culture to one's own. And then on top of that, there is racism and sexism as it pertained to Meghan Markle, um, with asking how dark her baby was going to be. I mean, that was just shocking. Um, and getting no help and receiving no sort of support. And like right now they're kind of backpedaling in the, in the crown is kind of saying, or the institutions sort of saying, Oh, you know, racism is concerning, but I'm sure it went on behind closed doors and no one did anything. Um, so the backpedaling, but the whole thing that really resonated with me is I too worked in a very large institution, um, in the UK and I had my own issues with the team that I was working on for, Mm, for a number of years, so much so that it drove me into, you know, increased anxiety, having panic attacks, such horrible panic attacks daily to where I was put on medical leave because I just couldn't deal with it. And I too went to a senior member in the institution and said all the things that I had been dealing with, you know, the management team that I did not agree with or like, or was quite rude at times, um, was quite, you know, offensive to their team members. And my senior member of staff told me to kind of deal with it um, and suck it up until I could either find another job within the institution or I could leave. And that sort of response to asking for help and the help, what you thought or who you thought was going to protect you, (laughs) whether it's naive or not, and we can go further into that, um, and trusting that and then getting that type of response is just Mm -hmm. so disheartening. So I really resonated with that. And I want to see what you resonated with, Mo Stephanie. 
Um, what resonated with me? For me, I'm not a fan of the royal family. Um, I think Ashley knows more about the family than I do. <laughs> um, I mean, I've, I've, you know, I don't follow them. I've met the Queen once, but that was when I was uh, young and I was doing a performance for Jubilee and she came over and shook her hand because we were doing a performance for her. But beyond that, that's that's as far as the scope of my connection to goes. And, and then being, you know, the royal family of the UK, but I'm not a fan girl, even though I did have a very big crush on the Prince Harry. Um, I mean, I think we all did. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't really like Megan that much because hey, she went and stole my man. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but I mean consciously. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but all things aside, um, you know, we're not doing this episode because we're fangirls or we love the world family. We <laughs> want to get into it. It's not why we're doing it. Um, we're doing it because, you know, as a woman of colour, she stepped forward and she shared mm. her, her voice and her story. Um, and that's very courageous in, in a white institution because so often you have people coming back at you being experts on racism you know, and telling you what is or isn't isn't racist or what is and isn't isn't okay. Um, mm-hmm. And she spoke these things. And it was actually my dad who's like, oh, do you want to listen to this? Or like, you should listen to this or take a look. And people messaged me. I'm like, oh, okay, what is this? And then it only took me a few seconds, you know, scroll down. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. yep, yep, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, that's happened to me. Yeah, that's happened to my friend. That's definitely something that I've, I've been involved with and it's so mm. interesting when there's like commentary from black women after the interview how quickly or how much they're like yeah you know I've had similar experiences I've gone through the same thing I yeah. you know and they know that what she's saying is true they don't need a lie a lie detector test <laughs> don't need anything verified because they've gone through it themselves and that's kind of how it was with me of like the, everything she's saying resonates with me but specifically for me, I guess what was hard, most hard hitting for me, it just got me really down, was that it showed me that no matter how close one comes to the Western standard of what it means to be beautiful, because everyone keeps talking about how beautiful she is, no matter yeah. how how light you are, because colorism is a very real thing, and it's something that industries make money off of, um, mm. and no matter if you get your guy, if you marry the prince, whoever your husband mm. is. As a black woman, your skin color is always going to be an issue. So yeah. much so that you don't want to be alive anymore. And, yeah. and that is what hit me. It was like, okay, yeah, we're going through this. Yeah, this is something that happens to us all the time. Yeah. Is it going to get better? Maybe it'll get better. Maybe if I change this, maybe if I do this, maybe if this happens for me, maybe if this finally happens for me. And you have somebody there who, you know, in all on paper you would think anybody would think she she should be happy everything should yeah. be okay you know and she's there saying I didn't want to be alive anymore if I stopped breathing all this is happening because I'm still breathing and if I stop breathing everything all this will go away yeah and that just it just yeah that hit me really hard it was like well and obviously I'm British so I live in this in this culture which doesn't mm. really think, you know, doesn't really think they have an issue <laughs> yeah. with race or speak about it or they become more open now to talk about it than they was 
past year they've become more open and receptive to actually having a conversation but in a culture that doesn't really think that they are whereas as yeah. black women we know that there have there is massive issues in regards to how we are seen how how we are treated uh, how we are perceived the barriers for us in in our lives and the microaggressions that come up day in day out yeah so yeah that was that was what hit me the most yeah, that's yeah, I th- yeah, I think that was interesting what you brought up about like not wanting to be alive anymore because sort of the institution of white supremacy patriarchy is kind of bringing you down. And I think, I mean, obviously we're releasing this recording before the others, but it kind of brought me back to thinking about, you know, um, the one that we did on Lovecraft Country's I Am, mm. where the character Hippolyta just never seemed to fit in and like feeling like that sort of black star, like a void, like you're too much for this world. And so you have yeah. to kind of de- almost like, a well, a black star is a dead star, right? So um, over fe- like her feeling so overwhelmed by people not respecting her place in life that like they want everything from her they wanted her to perform and do the role and smile at the camera but all the while she's like dying on the inside and they were completely okay with sort of allowing that to happen and it almost seems like the white patriarchy is a completely okay with black women kind of being performative, being the object, being whatever they want you to be, um, but still not accepting you enough to love it, to be able to, you know, be alive anymore, which is kind of like crazy, you know, when you think of it, it sounds like, it sounds kind of scary too. And I don't know if that's too deep. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But um, it's like, but it goes back to colonialization. It's like they want to use you as a, you know, the vessel to do whatever, but they don't want you to be alive or be human. And that's what sort of brought me into a spiral. <laughs> Just looking at sort of the other things that came from that interview, the Pierce Morgan interview uh, with Dr. Shola, I believe. Um And it's just like, can we ever just be alive? Can we ever just be human and be ourselves and be accepted? And the the answer to that seemingly from the institution that is white supremacy is no. And that's just devastating. And that was what, what added to the devastation of the interview is like they were willing to, to kind of sell her out for what they needed her. And then if she killed herself, it's almost like they, they were driving that because they weren't doing anything to prevent it. And that's kind of sad when you think of it. There's so many things you brought up in there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For me, I think it comes to the point where everyone likes to use the term racism or racism or that's a racist or this is a comment that's racist and that's not, well, that's not what, what is being discussed. Obviously there's racist things in there, but that's not really what's being discussed. Um, what I mean by this is that it's like a frog who's in boiling water and doesn't realize it's in boiling water. 
Mm. Um, so a lot of people see racism as like this is like someone poking you with a dagger mm. or something, and that's what how you identify it, and that's what what the issue is, you know. Yeah. Um, whereas what she was describing and what I know a lot of black women will will know and black people in general will know is that it's it's when you are included into a white institution which they don't mm. even realize they're a white institution you know yeah um that's built off the back of colonialism mm. um the thought process and the work process hasn't changed you know things have changed with yeah. time but uh, one of the papers that i wrote was about this notion of um cultural normal normal normalization mm. um or cultural Im- 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 imperialization or whatever however mm. you see it it's this idea that the cultural norm that has been seen as the norm and is is not necessarily natural. It's, it's being put there in a certain way. So, for instance, the royal family are all white, you know, yeah. Um, and that is the norm. And that's how it's naturally done. So somebody comes so yeah. Megan comes along completely, you know, and disrupts that. Um, but yet they default to this is what is norm and this is what is right. And this is the gold standard. And she constantly sat outside of what they were proclaiming as the gold standard, which is why that, that conversation, how light is the baby going to be? Or yeah. how dark is the baby going to be? Because the gold standard is white. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's something that's so within the culture, so within that it's like, you know, people can't even see it in themselves, are they being racist? You have Piers Morgan having a discussion about if it was said in this way, or if it was said mm. in that way, would it still be racist? Um, yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, and as the other woman said, you know, you're not having a discussion about how pale will the baby be or not, you know? So yeah. it's it all falls back to kind of colonial fault. Uh, in mm. the thought process and that, that hasn't really been decolonized in in the UK um what's you know what is seen as the gold standard how are things done how, how you yeah. know it often takes I think well we spoke about this in the other episode that will come after us this now that when you go to new places you you see things with fresh eyes because you're outside of that culture and you're yeah. able to bring forward stuff that people can't recognize themselves and that's what she did she came in and she spoke up about things that probably somebody else who's British may not even say because they just think this is how how it's always been this this is how it should continue to go it often takes somebody somebody in from the outside to be like hey no this is not okay this is not acceptable and you know this is not how it, it needs to go it can go a different way um and I see a lot of that and I see a lot of those tensions there just based off the fact wasn't even able to articulate a conversation on race a few years ago <laughs> because I haven't really yeah. I've been in an environment where it's kind of like you don't speak about it no one speaks about it and you know you don't call it out but everyone doesn't want to be called a racist everyone doesn't want to be like yeah. I'm not racist so they get really defensive because maybe yeah. they've had that conversation with somebody themselves <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so if it's said this way it's, it's okay so um but I think we can go back to maybe the whole and white institutions because we've both been in white institutions you with, with, with your workplace uh, my in my workplace my at, at university um and also live in white dominate dominant societies and that is extremely toxic um oh yeah it's very, <laughs> it's very hard to, um, to see that I think if you're not going through it yourself 
Um, and I think that's what I saw in his interviews, people not really understanding what it is that she's trying to say. Um, yeah, some, some I mean, like... I've been open to it, but yeah. Yeah, I think with white institutions, I can talk to my own my own experiences where I can say, like, see, like, you're not an inclusive institution because the person who I am is, like you were saying, the gold standard is a is white and whatever that encompasses, and you're not doing that. Now, whether it was because I'm an outspoken American, whether it's because I'm a black woman, so I'm very straightforward about my approach to things, or the mixture of both, but I just felt like I was constantly other, I've, I saw other white colleagues being as, you know, both like not boasting, but being as like straightforward and like very quote unquote aggressive with how they spoke about things, how they spoke about change. And they were junior members of staff and they were promoted or they were treated like they are good at their job and I wasn't because of the way I spoke. And they said, mm. so I can see that, like why people are like not getting it because this goes back to that whole discussion of diversity versus inclusion. A lot of these white institutions are all about the diversity. See, we got one of you. See, we have Megan. We're, we're good now. We like black people or we like brown people or whatever, people of color, or we like women. But when you look at the practices and the policies and the way people work or interact with their colleagues, oh, well, actually, we don't want you to be yourself. We want you to be your a white version. You know, we want you to be the white, you know, whether that's soft spoken, you know, you know, whatever, 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 whatever that goes with whiteness. We want you to be that. And I think that's kind of the issues with Megan is like she was not only was she, you know, a um, mixed race uh, American with, you know, speaking out like she would probably if she needed help on suits, if they, she was like, look, I can't really shoot today. I'm having a nervous breakdown. They'd probably get her a psychiatrist or some therapy or whatever. She probably expected that same thing. And um, she didn't get it because it goes back to like, they weren't inclusive of her. They accepted her. And that's why in the beginning, it's, it's kind of funny that Harry is like, oh yeah, they accepted her better than expected. And it's like Harry, I not trying to shit on him because he he's <laughs> uh he's a he was amazing to his wife, but the naivete of like, oh, they accepted her. They didn't, you know, say, Oh, you married her, you know, like of course they're not gonna say that. They are trained to be polite, you know, deadpan individuals, but the inclusivity of her. And I found it really interesting that they talked about the Australia tour that they did and how good of a job she did. And, you know, it's kind of history repeating itself, implying, you know, history repeating itself like Diana when she went on her Australian tour and everybody loved her. You know, um, I think the issue that blocks inclusivity versus diversity is because no one can be bigger than the institution. And the institution is white supremacy. And the institution, the royal family, is white supremacy. 
and they don't want to talk about real inclusion because if they're really inclusive, letting people be who they're going to be, but obviously performing at a level uh, higher than expectation or expectation, then maybe some people who are at that senior level won't look like them, which kind of refutes white supremacy. So I think it there's a lot of that going on. And given the fact that you did, you know, write a paper on ins- inclusion, I, I want to hear your thoughts on the difference between, <laughs> I guess, diversity and the inclusion <laughs> part. Um, nice way to put me on the spot there, actually. <laughs> well, for me, I focus a lot more on inclusion, so I, I can speak to that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I did a paper on inclusion because I was, I was, I struggled with the concept diversity and inclusion in terms of these are these buzzwords that are supposed to work for me, but they're not working for me, you know, um, institutions often use them as ways to seem like they're doing good or they're doing good work and they're going with the times and they're progressive and then and they're not being racist or sexist Mm. um and the issue of diversity is that often if it's not done correctly it often touches on one thing and not something else like some people go we're so diverse because we have so many women on the board or something yeah (laughs) or we have so many women in an organization but nobody but no women on the board um and then you're like and then you think oh was anybody any any people of color here (laughs) um so it's a word that's so elusive ambiguous uh that you know you don't have to to address everything that that needs to be addressed and that's uh, the issue of it and then you have the paper boys you know people join organizations so that they can be on the photos um (laughs) and you know to seem that way but the thing is it's not you know obviously I you know what I because obviously being in the photos is is obviously important so it's good so that you can see yourself it's so important as Megan said about representation being able to see somebody like you somewhere it's very important but I mean when it's used in the way to to uh, to project an image of institution uh, of being inclusive and diverse or whatever they want to call it and it's not actually lived out then um you know it's not true it's fake it's false false advertisement um but the inclusion side which I think like you know people want to be inclusive not be inclusive and that's what the inclusion sort of came through in in, in some sort of terms in, in some sort of terms that yeah. you by by the very notion of including somebody in something so by Harry saying oh they're very acceptive or Megan the very notion of including somebody in something you are you are stating that what you are including them in if you say it in a positive way is positive so Megan has been included in the royal family the, means the royal family is a positive thing yeah so mm. if you're saying oh Megan was in, was uh, was being included in in the in the in the prison or something you're saying it in a very positive way because why do you want her to be included in, in prison yeah <laughs> what I mean by somebody saying oh we, we are inclusive we are including people you're taking the idea that what you're including them in is something that is good and mm. uh, the only issue is that, that these people sit outside of what is good Mm, um yeah. and the issue is with, the issue with that specifically with stuff like the royal family with with universities and with you know with uh, you know big corporations is you're including people in a system that is exclusive and be made 
to fit the gold standard of normally a white male. Mm. Um, so once these people who sit outside historically or sat outside of these institutions get included within them, they then <laughs> they then are judged based on you know you know on whiteness and you know and and you know male a male a male gold standard, and that is where I well, what I see the main issue is with inclusion. You haven't you haven't addressed the issues within these institutions that are exclusive within themselves and oppress oppressive within, within themselves. Until you address that, including, including people is not going to be is is not the solution. And that's what we see with Meghan Markle. She's included in this system. She's included in this culture. Included in this way of things how things have always been. And there's one standard for Kate and one standard for her. And yeah. you know. Comments like monkey, course draws her. Even when Piers Morgan was talking about her, said, oh, whoever she's sleeping with. Like. What? What yeah. is this? So he, oh, my life. So he was talking about her. And instead of saying, why couldn't he, why couldn't she go and speak to her husband and ask her husband about, you know, the national anthem. And he goes, why couldn't she go and speak to whoever she's sleeping with? <laughs> <laughs> wow so what an asshole yeah, but i mean there's different stuff there's there's do you know what i mean it's a very white male thing kind of throw away your around your way and this is not to be against white males because fortunately they're not they're not all like this <laughs> yeah um and you know there's so many you know it's, it's, you know when we say these terms like a white male white supremacy we're not saying that people who are white are you know bad or negative or, or it's nothing like that it's not what we're saying about a way of being in society that you don't most people don't even recognize that they are privileged in such um in the way in which they speak and the way in which things are done you, you know even in even with the apps that we use like if you use snapchat or anything it always lightens your skin i don't i don't yeah. know what skin tone i am anymore because I'm, yeah. like, I'm like am i this color i don't know what color i am you know, because because yeah. the pictures lighten my skin I don't have a choice and it's, it's decided that lighter is better mm. um, but I mean there's so many issues with the word inclusion because it's positioned as positive and it's just you know a rebranding of you know it's like a assimilation or expansion of, of, of the current regime um, but this is not to to go against there is genuine organisations out there who do want to make a difference but who do want to make a difference and make a change you need to think about the ways in which the institutions within themselves are actually exclusive and not actually want, want to do anything other than add more people, a few people there and take a photo yeah. of them. And there you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we, I think, well, we're, well, yeah, we're coming towards, I guess, a few final questions, but what something that we both discussed offline was this was Piers Morgan and also, um, him and talking to a man of colour uh, who just who decided there were so many people, men and sorry there also was men who 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 you know was favourable of, of the interview but there were so many men who were outspoken and said what she said is not true <laughs> well it didn't what? happen to me it didn't happen to me oh yeah so yeah. it didn't happen to me so therefore definitely is not true <laughs> like what yeah that um, was so ridiculous like <laughs> yeah so that I so often 
Um, I see this or have seen this over the years where, you know, a black, it tends to be a black woman is being grilled and like the black man comes in and, and kind of refutes everything she says. Now, not all black men are like this. Not all situations involve a black woman um, being the center of, you know, negative attention. But this is how I usually see it. It's usually a black woman who's saying something, you know, about race, trying to stick up for probably another black woman or just stick up for, you know, racism and talking against it. And of course they get like a, and I'm not going to use the term that I use, but they get someone <laughs> who's like, who's basically like a sympathist to white supremacy. I'll say it like that in the nicest way possible. And it tends to be a black man that they like, yeah, Candace Owens, like someone like that, which I have words against her, but anyway, um, <laughs> They get someone who's a sympathist to white supremacy. And of course, in this situation, Dr. Shola was talking about how, uh, you know, it's it's racist. And obviously, Pierce Morgan was using disgusting language because he's a disgusting human being to say that Meghan Markle was disgusting because the queen and her husband are, you know, she's she's waiting by his bedside and in, in hospital and it's awful to talk bad about the royal family when you know they're at, they're at such a bad time but when is a good time to talk about the royal family given the fact that you know you can't control this interview was going to be done long before you know this incident with prince philip or king philip happened but anyway so Dr. Shola was saying, when is a good time? You know, like we need to call out racism, nothing against the royal family. We just need to call out racism. And then Pierce Morgan asked this black man, well, you're, you've fought for our country and you met them at one or two charity events where they mean to you. And he was of course saying, would no, they were so. Would you say they're racist? This is the question. Would you say yeah. Would you, would you okay, say they're racist? And it's like, you met them twice, maybe, maybe three times at a charity event where you're, the cameras are rolling. And of course they're not going to, you know, be like, Oh, uh, you know, you, you ugly monkey. Like, of course we're not going to say that when the fucking cameras <laughs> exactly. are rolling, you exactly. know? And, and then they tried to compare that incident. He met them maybe five times or two times at and hand and gave them a handshake versus someone who was in their family behind closed mm. doors and has one of their great grandchildren and skin color was raised. And of course they said that to their grandson or not. I, I don't know who said it because I, that's a let I'm not saying the queen said it or even King Philip said it, but someone in the family said it to Harry privately. Of course they're not doing that when the cameras are rolling in a charity event, they wouldn't even say that to their son, grandson, brother, whatever. At a charity they event, so they didn't exactly to him. Exactly, they didn't um, say it to Megan. So, I just I am well, so I irritated want... with seeing that they get some sympathizer within the black race to the to white supremacy to back up their own claims, and a person of color, that black person, mm -hmm. is sitting there co-signing to this like do you mm. not see that you're used as a pawn all the time 
Exactly. And what gives him the authority? He could say, he could say, when I was, when I met them, they treated me well. And I, I wouldn't say from my experience that they have been racist towards me. But to go as far as to say she's lying or she's not telling the truth, they definitely are not racist. From, I mean, from he did experience to, outside to, the family. To give him credit, he didn't technically say that. He said, they have not been racist to me, but if there has been racism, it should be dealt with in private. That was my issue with the interview because no, it's like, because he... I thought like, one, say that this is not the same thing. They weren't racist to me because I was at a charity event, not in their family, one. Two, if, the, if they are racist, it should be dealt with, full stop. Not in private because the racism that she endured with the tabloids and everything that they definitely didn't protect her against was not done in private. So why would you deal with the racism in private? In fact, it would be good PR for the royal family to say, hey, this is disgusting. We're nipping this shit in the bud and we're dealing with it in public, given the fact that the Commonwealth is made up of 50 to 60% black people. But yeah. But I mean, yeah. he did say that he didn't believe her. Um, oh, I he did say I that. Oh, it. I yes. I, I thought he didn't say um, that. And that's what outraged me because it didn't really wow. bother me. You know, he can have his own experience. He can have, say, this is what he experienced This because that, that's what he can speak to. But you can't then claim because of your experience, somebody else's experience is invalid. Um, and that is what, what and then, then later on in, in the uh, discussion of the Good Morning show, um, somebody else pulled Piers Morgan up in it and said, I don't know when you became such an expert on racism that you... <laughs> can judge what what isn't isn't racist as a white male you know so um yeah. it kind of you know and that's kind of what frustrated me in terms of all these people debating on whether or not this is or isn't racist or whether or not her lived experience is or isn't valid or whether or not I'm like it's so courageous to go out there and say and say your truth and speak your truth um and talk about your own lived experiences and share your voice on something that is like so important to speak up about mm. And if people actually watched and realized that often the black women, as I said at the beginning, who were just like, yeah, I've been through something similar. I've gone through a similar situation. Somebody else asked yeah. me that similar question. So it's not like, okay, yeah, this is her lived experience. But if you actually listen to other people who live in the same, ex same society or have gone into similar environments or have come from America and been to the UK and say, yeah, I've gone through the same thing here. Like, if it was said in this way, if it was done in this way, like, it may or may not be racist, you know? And I feel- but The thing is, the thing is, and sorry to interrupt, but it's, yeah, it's her lived experience, but you have a white, if they want to be so close and listen to white men and that's the authority, you have a white man, one of the most powerful, one of the most recognizable white men on this earth, Prince Harry, saying the exact same thing as his wife and that's what irritated the fuck out of me is that okay yeah if you don't want to believe this woman fair because white people for some reason don't want to believe black people when they say racism is happening but um this white man is co-signing on the fact that his wife has experienced this and he had a private conversation with his own family member saying that oh yeah how dark is archie going to be 
So it's not like, and this is what irritates me is they vilify black women for speaking their experiences. But when other people are co-signing on the same experiences, they're like, oh, well, the black woman's making it up. And I think that is because if they recognize racism, if they recognize that there is a real true problem and that for some reason that white supremacy is only held up, the supremacy of white people is only held up by a theory and ideology, not by truth, not by, you know, not by actually doing the, the, the experiment to see if their white people are better than black people or whatever, you know, it's, it's held up by a theory at this point. And they don't want to take down that theory because they know how powerful it is. And that's what infuriates me that we are still living under this theory because they could not even believe one of their own when they said, yeah, my, my wife experienced racism because it would ruin the theory. Yeah. And also there was this whole thing, like, why didn't they say, say who it was, who it was, who it was, and then we can identify who it is and then take that person. I'm like, it's not one person, you know. It's not. <laughs> it's, Everyone had know, that conversation. Like, you know, it's not one person. Um, and another guy came on uh, from the show. He's a mixed race male. He's identified as a mixed race male. And he said, I had the same, somebody came up to me and asked me the very similar question. Like, are you worried about how, how something like Coco or Dark, your baby is going to be? Oh something God. like that. Um, and it's not like, it's not, to be honest, nothing really from the interview shocked me. I wasn't shocked, no. nor was I surprised. Um, because, uh, you know, as black women, we, we go through and we have these encounters. But what was very interesting from what he said was that as a mixed race male, people feel more comfortable asking him certain questions. They wouldn't ask a black person. That's yeah. what he said. So he's, 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 he's encountered a lot of these questions. Um, and people come to him very openly thinking he'd be more sympathetic to these questions. So it's the case of this is the society and the culture that we live in. This is not with just the royal family. <laughs> you know? it's like yeah, yeah. An issue with society as a whole. And that's kind of what, you know, this is, it's a time really for people to reflect upon these things and have these discussions and to think about what it is that they're saying and how can you make real change? Because whilst it made me very, you know, I, you know, it's very it was very heavy and and hard and to sit through that you know it was also good I mean it's good that she said to speak the truth and to have it come mm. out um and it's time I really feel like it's time for people to hear yeah yeah uh, I totally actually, agree if you want to make a change if you if you want to you know if you want to make a change listen instead of being mm -hmm. like defensive and you know all these things because otherwise what is going to change really um but yeah I guess we have to wrap things up <laughs> yeah. is there any any uh, last thoughts or questions that you want to ask each other before I mean, um no I mean I just want to say like I'm glad things are coming out and the truth is being spilt um with everything that's kind of happening because this is not like the, this is, you know, we had George Floyd where things are changing and pe more people's eyes are seeing what's really going on with racism, not just in America, but all over the world. You know, Meghan Markle coming out, speaking her truth. I think there will be more truths being spoken 
um, in the coming months, years, whatever. And hopefully, you know, this will shift and change things for good. I don't, I, I don't know. Um, but we can only hope that if she's speaking her truth, maybe someone else who, you know, married into the royal family who happens to be black or a person of color, or even someone who's in the royal family can talk more about, you know, race and how it affects. And I don't know, maybe it will lead to other positive change. So that's the only hope that I have at the moment. What about yourself? Um, for me, I think it was a very timely interview. I mean, for me on a personal level. <laughs> because obviously I'm I'm currently currently seeking funding to to um give you know to center you know black women's voices in as agents of knowledge in terms of you know in post-colonial societies like Britain and you know Netherlands France Belgium you know the list goes on um <laughs> and I think it's just really it's really important I mean to be able to listen and hear each other I think uh, what I realized is just as black women, we, we, we are like, yep, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And I hear you, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's important to not be feel isolated and to feel like you're going through this, like, you know, by yourself or, you know, it's, the issue is with you. And, you know, the comment she said like about, you know, if I, all this is happening because you I know, agree, like, mm-hmm. you know, she- like it's, she's the issue. Um, I think it's really important, you know, if when we come out and we speak our truth, that we realize, you know what, it's not I who's the issue, you know? Um, yeah. So that's what really, I guess, in, the, in terms of the positive side, just to reinforce, just to reinforce that it's important for us to speak our truths. Um, and it's also challenging because so many people feel like it's up for debate. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's hard enough to speak up and say you know what I don't you know to say I didn't feel like you know being alive or to say I experienced this and then somebody else is then going to debate upon that um you know and I think that's that's also hard to you know to take in that you know there's so many people who just I don't know so defensive um But anyway, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it, it was, it was hard. It's heavy. So I don't know. It seems like the right time to speak up. Um, I think. Yeah. yeah. So should we check out on that note? Yeah. Um, yeah. How are you feeling after today's episode, Ashley? Um, yeah, I feel good. I mean, like, I think, um, it's good to talk about it. It's good to reflect, um, definitely there's still probably more to talk about um because it's it's (laughs) one it's an hour and a half I think hour and 15 minute interview and it talks and it touches on a lot of points but I think it's good to sort of speak our own truth through you know supporting and uplifting and you know talking about other black women's voices because that's the only way we will be heard and supported um by supporting each other. So I really am glad that we had this conversation and I feel good about it. What about yourself? Yeah, I feel like same way. I feel like this was very, 
impromptu you know we just messaged each other like hey we need to talk about this <laughs> what do you think yeah <laughs> um we had a, you know we had something else we we're gonna chat about and we're just like you know what this is we just need to you know give ourselves space to heal you know and to talk mm. and to discuss um and as actually said there's so many things that we could speak about and so many things we did touch on like you know colonialism colorism you know the intersect of race and gender there's so many things um but I feel like it was just really important just to give some weight and space to to each other because we were just like this is so heavy this is hard <laughs> like um in the moment I remember the morning that I or the morning after I listened to parts of it I was just in bed like I didn't want to get out of bed I was just like oh my gosh this is the heavy day and you know um so having this episode I feel was just a you know it was just some breathing space um a safe space to come together and just to share so I feel really good at that we shared but I also feel like there's a lot of stuff we need to go into a bit more deeper um and we'll have opportunities to do that in other episodes so yeah I think that was really good yeah yeah so if you have any thoughts or you know opinions any questions about you know stuff that we didn't cover um or you just want to talk about you know your um your perspective on the interview if you've seen it um then you know let us know contact us uh with the with the contact information in the description box um anything else to add stephanie um that we'll love to hear from you and um yeah i think that's it i guess so until next time and we will see you soon bye